0: This is Justin Lanero from the Disturbing the Peace podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes.
1: And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
0: And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
1: Episode 252, Dave Movie Review. Brian along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Once again, we're taking a look back on a film celebrating a major milestone. And this time out, Derek wanted to go back and review Dave, which is 30 years old this year. Derek, we've taken a little bit of time off. Well, what have you been up to lately, my friend?
0: Uh, you know, just uh, spend a little time with some friends and family. We had the, uh, the long Easter long weekend last weekend, so, uh, you know, personal time got in the way of uh, podcasting time but it's always uh, always time well spent when you get to do it with friends and family so we're back and uh, we'll we dive are. right back in yeah how about yeah. you what was your what was your uh, uh Easter weekend like
1: uh, it was pretty good I did I also like you I spent some time with family I uh, you know kind of enjoyed myself so uh, yeah it was all good kids found some eggs uh, when they went to bed I stole the eggs don't tell the kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a chocolate eggs you know? now Chris I seem to recall you mm-hmm. have a tradition yeah, yes. On the Easter long weekend, you go to visit family. There's mm-hmm. some racist uncle there you don't like. So you go to the guest room and watch Star Wars, which yeah. always seems to be on TV on the Easter yeah. weekend. And sure enough, it was on the local TV yeah. this past weekend. Did that play? <laughs> did that? Did that? Do we get a repeat of history here? Did that happen?
1: Well, first of all, I hope my family's not listening in any way, shape or form to this podcast. So, so normally that is what I do. I go there. I don't like dealing with all the racists. So I just go into a little room by myself and I watch Star Wars because it's you know on every weekend here in canada they play it on like easter weekend and thanksgiving weekend for whatever reason which is great and of course this year they decided to move the venue to a different person's house so i was stuck downstairs the whole time so i had watch, to watch the watch masters
0: what's oh, that? watching golf yeah okay. watching golf so yeah you know it was all good so um is there anything new in the world of pop culture though my friend. Well it's funny you ask it that mm-hmm. way Because not only are there new things But they are literally new things I have a couple of movies okay. and a documentary And they Educate are all, all like from the last year So all right. let's start with the brand new one Last weekend, my mm-hmm. friends and I had a chance to go and see the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh right. Up your alley. Right yeah. up your alley. Oh geez. Yeah. So of course I had to go see it with my one of my two Dungeons and Dragons groups. These are the guys that I've known since high school, and we play Dungeons and Dragons every weekend. So instead of playing last weekend, we went and saw the movie together. And it nice. was great. Uh we had a great time. Oh, the, it was good. It was really the movie good. Was good. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. There is a ton of Easter eggs for people who are familiar with the game or even moderately familiar with the game. Um, the uh, The story's pretty reasonable. The performances are pretty reasonable. Again, it, it is what it is, right? It's, uh, it's not Lord of the Rings style quality, mm-hmm. but it's also nowhere near as bad as the last Dungeons and Dragons live action movie from like 20 years ago it's got quite a bit of humor in it um i think there was, there was also a dungeons and dragons
1: cartoon back in the 80s did you like that one
0: i did yeah and yeah. i mean for what it was even now i've gone back and watched some of those old episodes and some of them hold up better than others but uh yeah no it was it was it was a decent movie and i think it's rated pg like there's no the violence in it is like video game style violence like something you might see on a regular tv show like there's no blood and guts kind of thing so i think this will appeal to a broad audience people that are like in my age demographic that grew up playing the game can go to see it and enjoy it they can bring their kids who i think would enjoy it as well um there's a lot of a lot of special effects unfortunately you can tell in some cases that they maybe didn't have as much money on the special effects as as we've become used to like the marvel movies and the star wars movies i think have really spoiled us from the point of view of what we believe special effects in a movie should look like as far as a benchmark and then when you get a movie that comes along that maybe was rushed or had last minute changes or didn't have that kind of a budget they do what they can with what they've got and on its face it looks good But when you really start to scrutinize it, some of the things are like, eh, that kind of looked fake. And I know you and I have had this discussion before about CG versus practical. And this movie actually had a lot of practical effects in a lot of the costumes and makeups were practical and not just digital. That's good. And um, but it is getting a lot of flack for some of the the less than perfect special effects, but I, I had a good time with it. I enjoyed it. I tried my best to avoid spoilers before, uh, before I got in to see it. There were only a few little details that had been spoiled prior to me going in. So I, I really enjoyed that. um, I didn't even know who half the cast members were until they showed up on screen, which was great. But um, when I went back after I saw the movie, I went, came home, and I watched the actual trailer. Oh my god, it gives away so much! I'm so glad I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. But, yeah, but you it usually just...
1: try to avoid those.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. <clears throat> so, so anyway, Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves okay. was pretty, pretty good. I enjoyed good. it. Right. Uh, then I had a chance to watch a couple of new ones that just dropped on uh, Crave HBO here in Canada in the last month. The first one was the latest offering in the Jurassic Park franchise. It's called Jurassic World Dominion, and so this is the I've third- actually seen that one. Yeah, so this is the third yeah. Jurassic installment of this Jurassic World. It's the ones mm-hmm. with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, as sort of the two main boy girl combos um i actually enjoyed you know the last one i thought was pretty decent uh this this uh, it's not a reboot but this sort of jurassic world the next generation they've been okay i mean again sort of like with Dungeons and dragons it is what it is if you sort of know what to expect going in uh you're, you're gonna get exactly what you expect and I, someone asked me they go oh, did you see this new one what's it like i go well i don't want to root it for you but there are dinosaurs and the people think they can control the dinosaurs Then they realize they can't, and then the dinosaurs do stuff, and then the people have to stop the dinosaurs, and I hope that doesn't ruin the movie for you, but that's what happens. There's literally six movies about this concept. And I think all six movies follow that template to a certain degree. This one is no different. Yep. Uh, Again, this is one of those ones where I didn't know anything, so when stuff happened and people showed up, it was like, oh, well, this is interesting, and this isn't what I expected, so... I, again, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I didn't pay money to see it in the theater, but since I've got HBO in my house, it didn't cost me anything to watch it. I enjoyed it. It was long, though, it was like two and a half hours, which mm-hmm. I thought was a little excessive. Um, and again, I thought some of the dinosaur CGI was like, eh, you know, i it, it was okay. Um, it was great, but I mean, it was just okay. It didn't have that wow factor. Remember the yeah. first time you oh, saw yeah. the first Jurassic Park? Oh, there's that I'm wow sorry. factor. This latest one to me just didn't have that wow
1: factor. It's and like, my, my son and I were arguing about that because he, he was like, the the special effects are so much better now, Dad. They look so much better in this movie than they did in the original Jurassic Park. And I'm like, no, they didn't.
0: And so he and I disagreed on this one. Well, I guess it's just a matter of perspective. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, did you see this one you said? What did you think I of did. it? Did you like so it? So I went to the, to the movie theater to see it a little while
1: ago. And mm-hmm. then we bought it on DVD because my kids like it. I didn't really enjoy it when I went to see it in the movie theater. And then we got it on DVD and my youngest son was like, oh, we want to watch this again. So I put it on. I couldn't even sit through it. I thought it was terrible.
0: I I wouldn't go so far as to say terrible, but uh, it was watchable. I I enjoyed it from that point of view. And again, just from a complete completeness point of view, I've seen the other five movies. Mm -hmm. I might as well see this one. Right. All right. Third new movie I saw, animated film. It's called the DC League of Super Pets. So it's like Crypto, the super dog and, and all these other animals that have superpowers. There's like the bat, how the bat dog and uh, and all, all these. It was basically imagine Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman like as animals. That's basically the, the, the sort of the the idea of this. It's what if animals had superpowers kind of thing. It is really funny. It's really good. It's really well done. Hmm. They've got great celebrities doing the voices. So the Superman dog is voiced by um, The Rock and the Batman dog is voiced by Chris Hart. And as we talked about, they were in Jumanji together as we, we reviewed Kevin that too long ago. Kevin Hart. What did I say? Chris Hart. Pardon me, Kevin Hart. Mm. Sorry, Kevin Hart. If you're listening, it was by mistake because we know he's a big fan of our show. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, Tons of tons of famous people doing the voices. Um, the guy who is the main guy in Andor from Star Wars does one of the voices. Um, Kate McKinnon, formerly of Saturday Night Live, does one of the voices. So, yeah. like, you're gonna know all these celebrity voices doing the thing, but the, the cartoon was actually really good. And the way I described it to someone was the story is told from the point of view of the dog. So if you've ever owned a dog and you thought, I wonder what this dog's story would be, like the whole story is told from the point of view of the dog. And as someone who has had dogs all my life, it's exactly what I would expect the dog to perceive about the world around him. So from that point of view, I, I got sort of like an extra something out of it. And I will say there is a post credit scene at the end of this movie, which was just like the cherry on top of the ice cream sundae it's a it's a lot of inside baseball wink wink if you're familiar with the dc movies and dc characters that's all i'm going to say is if you do watch this movie and you get all the way to the end fast forward through the credits and go and watch a little the little teaser at the end it was pretty good so this one was way better than i expected it to be and i really really liked it dc league of super pets is on now good last thing i got is a documentary so i haven't actually had many the documentaries in the last 40 nights, nights.
1: watch documentary likes to learn about the world it's Derek's documentaries Derek's documentaries. it's been so long since we've had a documentary you, you forgot we gotta play the song I forgot you had the song
0: <laughs> usually you prompt me you're like did you say documentary and then I know okay I gotta shut up boy he plays the song so part of the reason I haven't had any new documentaries on my watch list is mm-hmm. I got rid of Netflix when they said oh. you can't share passwords anymore I'm like, okay, well, I'm not buying my own subscription, and we got rid of Netflix. So that's most of my documentaries I watched were on Netflix. So since I haven't had Netflix in a month, two months, that's why I haven't really had a chance. The good news was I was at my parents' house last week, and when I was at my mom's, I was able to tap into her Netflix using her password and save some stuff to my phone. And so I was able <laughs> nice. to watch watch documentaries. So this dropped, I think, about two or three weeks ago. It's called Waco. American Apocalypse. It's about the standoff at the Branch Davidian, Waco, and uh, I think it's 93. Yeah. So it's three one-hour episodes. I only had a chance to watch the first two one-hour episodes. Uh, although I was 20, 1920 when this happened, mm-hmm. this happened – right when I went to university, like right, like my last year of high school, first year of university. So I wasn't really paying attention to current events. I had, you know, I'm a young 19 year old trying to meet girls and not doing a very good job of it. I had bigger problems on my mind than watching what was happening in Texas. So a lot of this was absolutely brand new to me. I didn't really know anything. And like many documentaries, you learn a lot about what's happening. And it's just like, some of this is just blowing my mind. Like I'm not a very religious person. And hey, if you believe in in God or you you're a religious person, great. You do you, man. I'm I'm all for religion if you have your beliefs, you do it. But the fanaticism that they describe in this documentary, like literally, any objective outside observer would say these people were brainwashed, mm-hmm. no question. And just seeing this, it's both heartbreaking and just devastating at the same time you're like what is wrong with you people but at the same time you realize so many of them were so young and so impressionable like they're clearly they were victimized and it's like "Oh." but at the same time it's all wrapped around their faith so it's like i don't want to criticize you for having faith but it's hard to not sort of paint you with that same brush it's like oh it's 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 it was edu- it's educational. Mm-hmm. It's it's frustrating, but at the same time, you're just like, oh my god. So I'm sort of got mixed emotions on this one. I'm really looking forward to watching the last part to just sort of like mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, I know how it ends, but just right. getting the inside Not perspective because well. they 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 interview so many of the people that were actually in the compound and so many of the the federal law enforcement agents that were on the scene. So you you're getting. You're getting perspectives from both sides, but again, like any other documentary that can be curated to sort of paint sure. a picture the way you want mm-hmm. it to. So you always have to keep that in mind the objectivity. But yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to say the least. So I'm going to finish watching that one mm-hmm. this weekend, but yeah, so that was,
1: uh, that was 30 years ago it was 1993 because I remember yeah. recently the former president of the United States went to Waco and held a rally on the, on the actual 30th anniversary of that yeah just to put things in perspective like it's and i think messed up the whole thing's just messed
0: yeah um, and i think that's why they released it when they released it was because it was the 30th anniversary so they, right. they deliberately timed that now the whole you know president trump speech thing i think that was completely just mm-hmm. coincidentally in, incidental and and with the timing and i don't think it had anything to do with this documentary per se but no. yeah
1: no it didn't have anything to do with the documentary but let me tell you i'm sure a lot of people you know plan that out to be a court like why else would you do it just again no we're from canada so we can kind of look at things a little bit differently Uh, but on a lighter note i wanted to mention something recently you mentioned you were celebrating 20 years of being married and that's just wonderful that was just great but i'd like to pull back the curtain a little bit here derek because you and i actually do not physically occupy the same space when we record the show right we do we We talk remotely and we record it but the thing is, that doesn't mean that we don't sometimes meet up. And a couple weeks ago, you actually came from Toronto up here to meet me in Barrie. And we went to a Comic-Con. And then we yep. had some local comic book stores together. You got some great books for your collection. But Derek, I too also made out pretty well. So here was the haul that I made from our day together. I got a cracked Jaws 2 parody. I got a Cracked Magazine, Love Boat parody. I got For Your Eyes Only, Marvel movie adaptation, and Battle of the Planets comic book. I didn't even know that they existed. (laughs) So anyway, these have all been on my bedside table ever since. And I've been reading them, which got me thinking. You know, I mentioned you and your wife are celebrating 20 years of being married. I may not make it that far, so long as I bring a stack of 80s comics to bed with me every night,
0: (laughs) at least according to my wife.
1: So there's always You said
0: one of them was the love boat? Come on. you got to be able to find some common ground with the wife in the love boat at the end of every episode. Don't the couple make up and have a happily ever after?
1: Yeah, usually. Or at the very least, uh, Doc Bricker comes in and steals your woman. So we'll see how that works out. (laughs) All right, here, let's do this. Here's your Dad Joke of the Week. Derek, did you hear that the CEO of IKEA was just elected president in Sweden? No, I did not.
0: Yeah, he should assemble his cabinet by the end of the week. Oh, oh Hopefully he's got one of those little Allen keys that comes with it. Yeah, <laughs> no <Don't> kidding. <get it. laughs> got a can so i'm opening this up right now and i'm a girl drink drunk so i'm having a pop shop cream soda oh that's a good one that has chris's stamp all over it yeah, okay. oh. you mean
1: the phantom menace oh i'm not a fan of the prequels <laughs> okay, okay fair enough i used to be a, a somewhat successful podcaster in the world of fantasy baseball
0: <laughs> <Yes. Ducks>! oh. <laughs> oh man oh <laughs>
1: So, Derek, I want to open up this movie review with a question for you. Sure. Um, so, as you know, we wanted to go back and, and look at a movie celebrating 30 years since its released this week. And it was over to you this week. And you wanted us to review the Ivan Reitman film, Dave. So, my question for you is,
0: why this movie? All right. A few reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I, from time to time, I go back and listen to our old shows. Okay. And partly I do that because... I forget what we talked about. I want to redo the trivia. Plus, you know, it's hard to improve if you don't have a chance to listen to where you've made your mistakes. And uh, in an older episode, it might have actually been in one of our greatest hits episodes where where we put all the trivia ones together, where you, in, in some conversation, you had mentioned that you have never seen this movie. I think I had brought it up and said, oh, mm-hmm. that was like blah, 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 Dave. And you're like, I've never seen it. So I made a note. If there's an opportunity down the road for us to watch this, we should watch this because I think there's a lot of things in here you're going to like. And then um, the other one of the other reasons I wanted to watch this was in light of the political landscape in the United States, our neighbors to the south, Mm -hmm. um, as we've mentioned previously. Yeah. Things have changed significantly in the last, let's say, 10 years or so. Um, Not all of it for the better. And over the Christmas holiday, they were rerunning episodes of The West Wing on. I don't know, one of the channels every day, they would just run like 10 episodes in a row over the 10 or so days over Christmas. And so I was actually rewatching a lot of the West wing episodes and those were from around 2000, 2001, 2002. So that would have been about 20 years ago now. And at the time I remember thinking, wow, I don't know how well these hold up anymore as a slice of reality in the sense that the world has changed so much in 20 years that, what was happening in the West Wing at the time could conceivably be what you wanted things to be like in the government. But now, based on how things are today, you watch the West Wing and you think, This is this is not even close to where we are. Like this is just so far out of left field with that much distance. And so with Dave, it's it's an even 10 years before that, which brings you know it's 30 years from now. And although I hadn't seen it in a few years one of the things that i always liked about dave was it is all, it's very aspirational it's it's like a, a wish fulfillment what do you wish things could be like if the government could could change if you had your magic wand and you could make things different again this is all american based but you know we're not that far from our neighbors to the south uh what do you think would be the best case scenario? You know, like the whole, the whole, uh, you know, if you had just one wish kind of thing. And so that was one of the things I always liked about this movie was you had uh, essentially a nobody, an everyman kind of character who is has a good heart, but never has had really an opportunity to do a, a whole lot with it. Is given the opportunity to do amazing things, and what's the best possible outcome out of that? And I think this movie does a really good job of that. And it makes you feel good. It reminds you that not every politician is corrupt. Not every politician has an agenda. Not every politician is uh, aggressively trying to backstab their opponent. At least I, I hope they're not. And this this is one of those movies where you you sort of can remind yourself that although what we see on TV can be very adversarial, you would hope that there are still a lot of people in a lot of levels of government that really genuinely want to do the right thing for the most people. And uh, it's, it's, just, it's just such a positive message in a time when we could really use some positivity surrounding government. Uh, so that was another big part of why I wanted you to watch it. So,
1: so yeah, lots of good reasons. Uh, that being said, I thought, so it was interesting. I had never seen this movie coming into this week. And it, it, it was also never on my radar back in the day that i was like oh that's a movie i gotta see i gotta see it just kind of like escaped me it just kind of flew under the radar for me and and i think like having watched it for the first time this week i guess i can i can kind of understand why i i thought it was okay um i like the aspirational things like you mentioned but i i've actually had some problems with the casting which i mean we'll come back to in a second Okay. Okay. So let's first of all just take a bird's eye view of this movie. It was directed by Ivan Reitman, as I mentioned. It was released on May the seventh, nineteen ninety-three, and had a budget of twenty-eight million dollars. But it took in sixty-three million at the domestic U.S. box office. It took in ninety-two million worldwide. So, it did okay. um, not bad. The sixty-three million dollars uh, in the U.S. was good enough for thirteenth place at the domestic box office that year. Um, so it wasn't a massive blockbuster or anything, but I mean it did finish ahead of movies such as Son of the Pink Panther and Carnosaur and Ernest Rides Again. So it kind of beat out those movies. So that was good. It was nominated for an Oscar too. I don't know if you know that. For Best uh, Original Screenplay.
0: That. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean it lost to the the piano, but I mean it was it was nominated, so it was pretty good. I want to talk a little bit about Ivan Reitman. I want to start with him. I think that yeah. he that's where we got to start with in this movie. Yeah. So I like him a lot. He started out as a producer at City TV in Toronto, Derek. Mm-hmm. And he got fired by Moses Neimer less than a year into working there. And then he went on to produce Animal House. And then, of course, he directed Meatballs, Stripes, and Ghostbusters, among others. So not only is he responsible for some of, you know, my personally, you know, my personal favorite movies of all times. I think it's safe to say that Ivan Reitman is a legend in the comedy world. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I don't think you're going to get any arguments on that one. No question. But Derek, here's the question I have. I mean, you like this movie a lot. Where do you think this film ranks
0: with Ivan Reitman's career work? Hmm. Uh, I I don't think it makes his top five, but I do think it makes his top ten okay that's fair yeah i I think you go ahead So i was gonna say i think i think basically the ones you said like stripes meatballs ghostbusters twins um his participation in animal house like that's definitely his top five no question but then his other ones you look you know uh you got kindergarten cop dave um the more recently there was the kevin costner one draft day about the football draft which i really liked and and a lot of sports fans really uh really enjoy that legal eagles with uh um Oh, my God. What's Robert Redford? I mean, I just watched that for the first time earlier this year. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, he's got he's got a long list of credits that you read down his IMDb and you're like, wow, I, I know or have seen most of those movies. Now, they're not all great. Like, believe me, there's a couple of duds on this list. Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I would say Dave is probably... Yeah, between 6 and 10, I think, is probably the right place. He died last year. He
1: was 75 years old. But his son, Jason Reitman, is a film director. He did Juno and Up in the Air. And his Thank daughter... You for smoking. Yeah, that's Have you right. seen that one? A, Thank you
0: for smoking. No, it's I great. have not. That was his oh, first one,
1: right? And then his daughter, Catherine Reitman, is an actress. She's in Working Moms. She's the one with the really weird lips. My wife started watching that show, Working Moms. I'm not familiar with it. I couldn't watch it. I struggled with the lips. I just call me crazy. So anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the cast of this film, Dave. So Kevin Kline, he was a real thing for a while there, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Like he was like really well-respected actor. Like he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for A Fish Called Wanda in 1988. He won three Tony Awards back when he was a stage actor. He did did the the Pirates of
0: Penzance in 1981. Did a lot of musical theater. When he was younger. Yeah, I was gonna say he. Uh, I always, um, I knew that that he was like a song and dance man. I think he's underrated. I think people that only know him from sort of his biggest movie hits maybe don't realize that he is as talented as he is. Um, I know more recently he's been doing a, a lot of voice work for cartoons. He's one of the the main characters in the Bob's Burger cartoon, and so every week when we watch it, we're like, there he is, Kevin Klein. You can hear him on there. He's the he's the the landlord. So. And talk about a movie debut. He, he played the lead male
1: character in Sophie's Choice in 1982 for his movie debut. And then he went on to do The Big Chill, A Fish Called Wanda. He did this movie, Dave, and then in and out So
0: he was really good at in and out
1: Yeah. And I think although he's worked steadily, he hasn't really had the success that he had
0: earlier in
1: his career, especially critically speaking, I think. But obviously yeah. you liked him in this movie, did you?
0: I did. I thought he was really good. And I think, uh, so I watched this movie with my wife. She really enjoys this movie and she actually knows more of like the behind the scenes and the trivia stuff. She was constantly pointing things out to me as we were watching it. And she brought up a good point that movies like this, where an actor gets to play different characters um, it is like a dream come true for us for perform. I mean, you did performance work, right? You were an actor. Uh, I would think that this kind of a role, where you're a character playing another character within the context of the thing, gives you an opportunity to demonstrate your talent. I can, you know, I can, can believably perform as these two different characters, so that when I'm on screen doing things, you know, based on my voice, my mannerisms, how I'm behaving, who's who. And the fact that it's you have the president character, and then you have the imposter Dave. And then Dave has to pretend to be the president. So it's that whole Victor Victoria thing. The man pretending to be a woman pretending to be a man kind of idea where it's the the everman pretending to be the president who, you know, so it's uh, it really it really gives him a chance to to stretch his wings a little bit.
1: This is where I think I disagree with you, because I think that he just when he was playing the president, he was just Dave being the president. I felt. And and like I mentioned earlier, the problem I have with this movie is the cast. I think Kevin Klein is a great actor. But I feel like he was kind of... Like, he wasn't irreplaceable in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, some movies just... You can't even think of another actor playing the part. But I didn't get that sense in this movie. Do you agree with
0: that? Uh, Yes and no. So, I, I do agree on its face with what you've said. But I think that the real trick here is... How much of the performance needed to rely on comedic ability? Like, this this role could be very different with a more serious performer who wasn't there to, like, get laughs. Like, I wouldn't call this movie a laugh out loud comedy. I would call it, like, a light right. drama with funny parts. And I think if you had a more... Uh, again, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. If you had a more polished actor who was more serious and brought a more serious tone to this and played these two characters of of Dave and the president sort of with a more serious uh, uh, tone, I think it would still work, but I, I I don't know if it would get to where Ivan Reitman wanted the vision to go. But I think the other way, if you got someone goofy, like let's say someone like Jim Carrey came in to do this, okay. like I think then you go way too far in the other direction and you just have ace ventura as the president and it's like again if that's the kind of movie you want great but i think that's why you want someone like kevin klein he can play that sort of lighthearted and play it for laughs um but at the same time at least when i'm watching it i can believe that he is also there as the president like i think he's got the 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 ability to sort of swing in both directions whether or not you felt he brought his a-game to both sides of that in this movie sure that's up for debate on a personal note, one thing I will say about Kevin Klein is
1: he married um, Phoebe Cates. Oh my God! Yes, like early in his career, now he was quite. He was, was going to give him a round of, a round of <laughs> On behalf of Gen X teenagers yep. everywhere, I'm Kevin sure. Klein is living the dream. Let me tell you. And and the thing is, like, unlike a lot of uh, marriages in Hollywood, they've stuck around. They've yeah. been married forever, you know. And he was quite. Older than her when they got married, but they've, they've, they've remained married. So, I mean, good for them. But they're like, they're like, they're like you, Derek. <laughs> they have yeah. like, you know, They must have
0: this. two TVs
1: the same size. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High on a continual yeah. loop. So, so there's that. Um, so, Sigourney Weaver, I feel like you probably like Sigourney Weaver more than I do. I mean, I thought she was good in Alien. And she was, I thought she was drop dead gorgeous in Ghostbusters. And I know Aliens, the sequel, is one of your all time favorite movies. I know your wife really likes that movie. I didn't really care for it all that much. I remember when we reviewed it here on the podcast, and I didn't like it. And you, you were like, you basically told me that your wife and I can't be friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I didn't like it. Whatever,
0: whatever I give her your hot takes on some of these things, she's like, Jeez. you gotta unfriend that guy. I, like, know. Yeah.
1: I thought Sigourney Weaver was okay in this movie. But again, I kind of
0: felt like her part could just have easily been played by an, another actress. Yeah, I think this, this. Uh, so again, I sort of agree, don't agree with you. So uh, I think the real trick here is like so many movies in the 90s, especially the early 90s, the parts for the women were just, Flat like this was not a very juicy part, no, and it, wasn't. And it was, and it was, and she's, she, it talented was that too, way. A, and she is. I think, yeah. I think her abilities were wasted because the role yeah. I don't want to say it was a nothing role, but it really, like, she's not even in the movie for what mm. 30 40 minutes, like, you, she doesn't even have a, a line. And, um, obviously, the movie's called Dave, it's about the guy, the imposter Dave, so he's obviously got to have the most screen time on this one, but uh, to your point, this. This role probably could have been played by any woman that can potentially be seen as presidential, or I guess she wasn't the president; she was the first lady. But you know, someone who would conceivably have spent their life in the Washington political machine kind of thing, uh, which I think Sigourney Weaver definitely portrayed that but i think the material they gave her to work with was sort of and so she did the best she could with what she had but man they they sort of gave her a turd sandwich and said eat it and make it look great and if you think about the character like in this film there's a
1: lot going on there they have a lot going on between them yeah the real president and her Mm -hmm. and i felt like I feel like she missed the, the opportunity to make the most out of her scenes. I don't know. That's what, I yeah, I was really disappointed in her performance, to be honest with
0: you. Well, again, I I, I don't know, but from what I've read over the years, it, you know, the 90s was a long time ago, and a lot of women that, that tried to exert what was rightly there, you know, that when they would try and say, like, hey, I think this should be this way, would get shot down or would risk being you know, labeled in such a way as difficult to work Mm. with. So again, I don't know if that's genuinely what happened. Clearly she's worked with Ivan Reitman before. So I got to think they had, uh, you know, a decent working relationship, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, someone as she, she seems highly intelligent and, and she's definitely a strong performer. It would not surprise me if we found out that she had a whole bunch of ideas or tried things certain ways and was just basically shot down. It's like, sorry, we're still in the nineties here. We're not going to give you this freedom, so and, and I, mean, we I, just, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that that's what happened.
1: You could very well be right, and like we just mentioned, like the movie was nominated for a uh, a, best, uh, a, a best a best screenplay. Uh, screenplay, so the script is apparently strong, but the script is really poorly written for her part. I thought so. This is yeah. it's interesting. Um, I wanted to also talk about Charles Grodin because he basically yeah, he, made a career was, for himself. Yeah. As a character actor. But, I mean, man, he was something else. I always liked him. And I liked the fact that in this movie, he gets to play a good guy. Yeah. He used to always play a lot of bad guys. Or you know, at least characters that were, like, sort of less than sympathetic, we'll say. But I I kind of liked
0: him in this movie because he got to play a good guy. So that you know cool. where I always remember him from? Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me if I'm wrong with this. Wasn't he the husband in The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin? Yes, he was. That's yep, where I yep. remember first seeing him. And uh, for some reason, whenever I see him on screen, that's immediately where my mind goes. I know that's a really deep cut, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he definitely wasn't that. Okay, so I also want to mention Laura Lenny. So, wow, is she ever young
1: here? Yeah, you she's know? in it for like 10 seconds. but she's uh, not. She doesn't have a big part. But I got to say, I love Laura Lenny. I think, mm. I think she's talented. I think she's beautiful. She is one of these actresses that just lights up the screen. Whenever she's on, I think anything she's in, she makes better just by being in it. Yeah. And she, I think she is one of my favorite actresses. Like she's like you said, small part here, but, but she's good, but she really started out doing small parts in her career. Like other than Congo, I guess, but I mean, that movie was dumb. I mean, so this was not her movie debut because she had a small part in uh, 1992 with Lorenzo's oil. But 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 she, I think she's always
0: been memorable, you know, even when it's a smaller role. So I, I yeah, thought she, she was great. I was gonna say she was in a really good one uh, that came out in the mid nineties called you can count on me. It was, Mm -hmm. I think she was nominated for an Oscar for that one. It's, it's a real talkie talkie kind of movie. It's not for everybody, but uh, she was outstanding in that. And then people obviously remember her from uh, the wife in the Truman show. And then uh, more recently she was the wife in Ozark. So I mean, she's, she's had a huge career. She's been in tons and tons of stuff. You look at her credits it's here. It's saying she says she's been in 70, 72 different things. According to the IMDb, like she's been all over the place. She's in love actually, uh, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, she's she's in everything. And uh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's but again, this else. one. She's only in a couple of scenes yeah. like she's not the star, clearly. But uh, but it's it's funny when these you do these older movies and you look back and you see someone who has since this point gone on to have a much bigger career. And you're like, oh, why didn't they give her more to do? And it's like, no, this was like her second movie. Um,
1: uh, Ving Rhames. I also wanted to mention because Obviously, go. we know him best from Pulp Fiction. You know, Marcellus Absolutely. Wallace. Right. Yeah. But man, does he ever look different in this movie? I yeah. wouldn't have even
0: recognized him if it wasn't for his voice. I, I was just going to say that the voice gives it away every oh, time, but he so was fantastic in this movie. Yeah. And the, the, again, w- my wife and I are watching it. And at the end of the movie, when uh, they're in the ambulance and he's saying goodbye to Dave after mm-hmm. everything has been resolved. And he says to me, he he goes gets the last, the last, gets the last line the movie, there. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I would have taken a bullet for you. Oh, I mean, my wife is crying. She's like, I love the line. It breaks my heart every time. And I was like, yeah, it's he's good. He's he does a great job in this movie. Again, he's got this sort of a small, relatively inconsequential part, but he's there as playing the Secret Service agent. So he's in a lot of scenes and he just mm-hmm. like like a Secret Service agent supposed to. He's just sort of standing there as part of the background. But but he has some good lines and, uh, and he has that great line at the end. Yeah, like I say, I didn't even recognize him. I thought when I first saw him on
1: screen. I thought he looked like the scientist from Poltergeist. That's who I thought it was. I didn't recognize him at all. But I uh, also want to mention there's like a blink and you'll miss him Stephen Root cameo. In
0: yes, that. I thought I thought that's who that was.
1: Because he was in, he was uh, in Barry. He was Fuchs, and he was in Office yeah. Space. That movie that you made me watch. Yeah, he was the guy he was the mil- stapler with yeah. the glasses, and
0: the stapler. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was in News Radio too. But there was a lot of cameos by real people in this movie, which I thought was interesting. Like Jay Leno and Tip O'Neill. I noticed right away. Yeah, a lot of and, politicians were in there yeah. as themselves. Larry King, Helen Thomas, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So the, I guess the question I want to ask you at this point is: Do you think that? the film holds up. Is it dated?
0: Well, I do think it holds up for, for its time period. As I said at the beginning, you watch it now, it's a fairy tale. Like people are going to watch this without, if they have no context and you just show this to somebody now, they're like, what's this, this, like, this is not something that could ever happen. Why would you waste your time telling the story? And I think even in the nineties, this was almost like a fairy tale then. Um, but I do think it holds up because I like the overall message that, at you know a single person whose heart is true who is trying to do the right thing who is trying to uh help people given the right circumstances will find a way to do the right thing and uh so from that point of view i definitely think it holds up
1: when i i, I watch these old movies I'm always trying to think like are they dated like anything that stands out one thing that jumped out to me was camden yards because oh, I mean, where's, i'm where's, a big baseball pitch, fan yeah. And, and like I'm telling you, that was the ballpark back in 1993. So, of course, they make a movie in 93 and it's going to be in a ballpark. They got to show Camden Yards. I thought that was interesting. But I want to go back to what you mentioned, something previously about politics okay. and, and, and sort of political scandal as it was and how different it was considered in 1993 versus today. He gives his speech to the joint sessions of Congress. Right. And he says, I'm accused of illegally influencing regulations on behalf of major campaign contributors, interfering with an ongoing Justice Department investigation and violating federal election laws in the area of campaign finance. This was known as a Monday in the Trump administration. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, like it seems so quaint, almost in a lot of ways. You know, it's like how like this is like scandalous politics in this movie. After we've just lived through four years of abject corruption and scandal on this historic scale, like this is like mild stuff. I thought, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that. Frank Langella is like, okay, I'm accusing the president of fifteen acts of wrongdoing. You know, and it costs the president his job. In 2023, Donald Trump had 34 felony charges in his first indictment of several, I'm sure. And Republicans are like, yeah, all good. Yeah, he's still our guy. <laughs> like things have changed so much. You know, since 93, yeah. politically, it's just crazy. I also noticed Ben Stein. Do you notice he was hit? Yep.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he his background is is as a political consultant and writer, right? Like that's, yeah, he was that's writing where for he, Nixon, right? Yeah, so I mean, he's got ties to politics. Um, and he, you know, mean, of course, in this movie, he's on the side of the bad guy, so some well, things don't change, I guess. Right? So let me ask you this: this is yeah. one thing that I, I maybe I either missed or or I, I maybe deliberately was not specified was what political party was this president supposed to be a part of? I i tried to pick it out as mm-hmm. i watched it and mm-hmm. it kind of seemed to me like it was deliberately not mentioned it was maybe not i mentioned. just
1: missed it. it was not mentioned yeah. but i think it was quite clear that he was a republican
0: I, I mean that was certainly the sense i got but um but yeah i because i i was specifically watching that and i think that was a deliberate choice by the writers yeah. to not not try and lampoon yeah. one side or the other by they saying didn't mention it, this but... party did this did that they they really sort of laid it at the feet of this individual the or these two individuals uh, you know the the real president and franklin jealous character these two men did these things it wasn't these people who are affiliated with this party did these two things like it was a deliberate choice in the way that the story was told to to hang it at their feet personally i think
1: i think there were some clues though because remember there was this the scene when they were interviewing the real politicians after mm-hmm. david started to enact some more socially, you know, uh, uh, socially responsible policies. Mm-hmm. And then all the Democratic politicians were like, oh, we like what he's doing. You know, his policies are helping regular Americans. You know, they're good for the country. And the yeah. Republican politicians are all like, how are we going to pay for this? <laughs> you know, so some things never change, I guess. Yeah. I think yeah. they were definitely alluding to that. I wanted to mention something. I want to make some comparisons between this movie and a movie that I really like called Heaven Can Wait. So I've never seen it. I know we're doing movie anniversaries this, this year. So at some point we're going to get around to, to movies that are celebrating 45 years. And when we do, I'm going to have you watch 1978's heaven can wait. Okay. okay. It is an amazing film, Derek. And, and and the reason I bring it up is because I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between these two movies. So without giving away too much from heaven can wait, it's basically a, a movie about a guy who dies but not really because his guardian angel takes him out too soon. So the guardian angel has to find a new body back on earth for him to go into. Okay. So he he basically assumes the identity of somebody else, a rich and famous businessman. But really, okay. it's about this likable guy who takes the role of a non-likable guy and then makes people start to like him because he does the right thing. OK, so he's like a different person, like put into a situation where he has to impersonate someone else, but still be himself. You know what I definitely, mean? Definitely. So, definitely sounds like there's parallels between yeah. that one and this one. And that's where I was making those connections. Like the characters in both these films try to make changes for the better. Like, like there's the budget scene that stands it's my favorite movie. scene of the whole oh, movie. It's so good. So he's he basically goes through the budget in the meeting room and he's like getting people excited about doing things that are right and just and it makes people feel good. And it basically allows him to be this sort of charismatic leader in the mm-hmm. scene. And almost the exact same thing happens in Heaven Can Wait. So that's why it really, really stood out to me. And I, I feel like by doing things that are extraordinary, you know, for the character to do and they're doing the right thing, you know, the lead actor gets the girl to fall for him. Yeah. You know, so there's that parallel between the movies, too. But that's not all because Charles Grodin was also in Heaven Can Wait. <laughs> so, so oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So there was that, too. Um, any scenes in this movie other than that the, you said you liked the budget scene? It was your favorite scene. Budget scenes. Any scene. other scenes that you really, really liked?
0: Um, I, One of the scenes that's in the trailer is when he's at the auto manufacturing and he's got the... Uh, the big long arm things on. And he's like, I once oh, caught a fish yeah. this big. And then he has them doing Louie Louie and he's doing the dancing and stuff that one. I liked, but that was, if I remember correctly, part of a montage when it's like, yeah, President is now out doing this, this road trip and he's doing all these things. So it was sort of like intercut with a bunch of other things. Um, But I thought that was fun. Uh Again, I remember the trailer for this movie um, having sort of some key points. And I think, uh, on, like, I have a copy of the DVD. I believe the trailer was on the DVD. So after we watched the movie, we watched the trailer. And just like today, we both sort of looked at each other and went, wow, I- I'm glad that we didn't watch this trailer before we rewatched this movie because there were parts in the trailer that sort of pretty clearly spell out what it, what's going to happen. But
1: uh, And that you were always yeah. against trailers, probably for that reason, because it always gives it away. One, one scene I want to mention... Is the shower scene. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah So, yeah. So before Sigourney Weaver has figured out that the president is Dave and not her real yeah. husband. And, and by the way, she figures out that it's not really her real husband based on a couple things. It, like, he looks at her leg in the car. Yes. Yeah. And also, like, he's kind and caring. But yeah. before she figures this all out, there's a scene where she goes into the bathroom and he's in the shower. It's like this glass shower and he's his, in his back is to her and she opens the shower door and he turns around to face her well he doesn't turn around at first and then she says yeah. turn around yeah and he does and, yeah. and he, but, he, but he eventually turns around and faces her isn't this where she should have figured out that wasn't really her husband i mean like he might look and sound just like him but this would be the real test wouldn't it Well, I mean, I I guess it depends
0: on how cold the shower
1: was. Well, I guess. I mean, because either she'd be like, oh, (laughs) you're not my husband. Or she'd be like, oh, my, you're not my husband. You know what I mean? Am I right here?
0: Yeah, I I suppose. I mean, it could also be, uh, depending on how long it's been since they've. Seeing each other naked like it could have been a long time maybe they do it with the lights off who knows i don't know i still think that was the
1: only one scene that jumped out to me i was i just thought like even if you look like someone else all men are not created equal so i just, just don't want to bring that up um i also thought the scene where the president like where dave brings out the proof that it was frank langella's character who was guilty yeah. of all the criminal activity and 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 then all the, i don't know if you notice it or not but Frank Langella was sitting in a room full of people surrounding him, Ben Stein yep. and all those people. And then yep. when when Dave shows the proof on live TV that Frank Langella was guilty. Yeah. All of a sudden, Frank Langella is just sitting there alone in the room. It's like they all cleared out. Did you notice that? Yep. It just really stood out to me because, again, compared to now, we're like, oh, we'll just stand by our man. Like there they were like, we're out of here. We're gone. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Different time, my friend. Different time. Absolutely. And then, of course,
1: after they show the evidence that, 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 you know, Frank Langella's character is guilty. And, and then the Dave, like, feels his head and he falls over. You, like, at that point, I was like, you just know they're switching out the hospital gurney. Yeah. You know, with the yeah, real yeah. president bringing him in. And then I, I also thought it was interesting how then the real president, they bring him in to the situation. He dies. Not right away.
0: It said he was like in a coma for five months or something.
1: But then they swear in the the vice president, Ben Kingsley. And they announce him as the 45th president. Yes. Because we all know how well the real 45th presidency went. So again, hindsight being 2020. And then I thought it was interesting way to tie the story together that Dave goes back to the temp agency because he's Mm -hmm. Dave again. And the tables get turned because... The former first lady, Sigourney Weaver, she comes in, and now she's the one that has to go incognito. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, but um, but again, I don't like. Just kind of remind me to tie things up. Why does it, you love this movie so much? Because for me, yeah. it was just okay, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's uh, it's that idea that it's this fairy tale. It's this uh, this idea that uh, you know change can happen if one person has this idea and is given an opportunity and it's, it's the, it's the morality tale, right? That the good will ultimately win out in the end. And, and you don't always see it in this kind of a forum. You, you know, you'll often see these kinds of things where it's like the whole, uh, you know, like I like a lot of fantasy and science fiction kind of movies where it's the, the, the rough and, you know, the one guy against the aliens or the one guy against the dragon. And it's like, you know, that kind of thing. But this is, this is something with a more contemporary uh flair to it where it's okay well, what if this was in a political arena? what if you what if you became the president for whether it's one day, one month, one year? what if you became the president and and your uh, you know noble and true self, were put in a position of power where you could implement real change, what would you do with it? Because this movie could have gone very differently. Dave could have got in there and then found out, hey, I'm gonna be the president, and he could have been every bit a jerk like the real president was. He could have tried to take advantage of it. He could have tried to give all his friends jobs, but he didn't do that. They 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 tried to to set it up early enough in the movie that this is a good guy who's looking out for the little guy. He's doing what he can. And he, when given this opportunity, those qualities exemplify themselves and and come out it doesn't it's not their typical story now where it's like oh well now that i'm in a position of power screw it i'm gonna hurt people like i got hurt and so that's that's a big part of why i like this is the idea that it's the 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 morality tale of you know the, the 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 little guy can do good if if given the right circumstances
1: i guess for me i just maybe i just came into this expecting a lot more especially considering the fact that ivan reitman was involved
0: Although well, and I'm just I, yeah. So I was gonna say, and also I'm just looking up the screenwriter for this, and so like this, the person who wrote this one uh, is uh, sorry, it is Gary Ross. Mm-hmm. Gary Ross also wrote uh, Big, starring Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. and he wrote Pleasantville, which was we reviewed a long time ago. And I, like I know that We one. both really like that yeah, one. I like that. Um, you know, of course, he also did the Hunger Games adaptation from the novel, but he didn't write the novel, but he adapted it. So I mean, yeah, he could do he could do <laughs> good and bad along the way. So I guess would like when I think of Ivan Reitman. It's almost like
1: like his career is split into two for mm-hmm. me. It's like Meatballs, Stripes, and Ghostbusters, and then everything else. It's almost like two for me, I guess. And this one falls into the the, 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 the latter of the two. So do you want to rank it out of 10
0: for me? Probably give it a uh, six and a half or a seven. I'd probably Eight. say a seven. I had a good time with it this okay. time around. Because I would give it a six out of 10.
1: So we're pretty okay. close on it. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah not that far that. apart. Yeah. All right, all right, on that note, let's have some fun with with Caveman. Okay, Derek, I think I'd like to play a little bit of a game that we call... Pick the flick. Yeah, pick the flick. You get the synopsis, then pick the flick. You get the year, pick the flick. So this one should be pretty straightforward. I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the, the year and the synopsis. You just guessed the title and the common thread here is just like this movie, Dave, all the movies have a man's name in the title. Okay. This is pretty easy, right? I mean, you should be able to get this. All right. So 2003, we're going to start with a whiny news reporter is given the chance to step
0: into God's shoes. Uh, oh, f- I think this one was just on TV. Is this uh, Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty?
1: It is. It is. See how easy this again? Okay. The title has a, a man's name in it, so it's easy. 2012: A video game villain wants to be a hero and sets out to fulfill his dream, but his quest brings havoc to the whole arcade where he lives.
0: Yeah, this was uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, we're going back to 2001.
1: A superficial man falls in love with a 300-pound woman because of her inner beauty. That one's Shallow How 1997. An FBI undercover agent infiltrates the mob and finds himself identifying more with the mafia life at the expense of his regular one.
0: Is this um, uh, with Johnny Depp? This one is, um, oh my God, what's it called? Donny Brasco. You're doing very well at this, Derek. Well, these have all been right in my wheelhouse, late 90s, mm. early 2000s. Yeah. So.
1: Well, we'll try and mix it up a little bit here. So let's go to 2007, shall we? A delusional young man strikes up an unconventional relationship with a doll he finds on the internet.
0: Wow, with a doll he finds on the internet. From 2007. Hmm. Mm, try to get you with a couple. Sorry, is it a person's name or a man's name? A man's the name. A man's name. Uh, Oh, oh, this was, oh, it's the Ryan uh, was in it. What the heck was, Uh, it has Ryan Gosling in it. It's called, oh, I can't think of it. No, I don't know, pass. <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl. That's the one. Damn it. I could see the movie poster. I just couldn't think of the title. All right.
1: 2004. With a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner, an oceanographer rallies a crew that includes his estranged wife, a journalist, and a man who may or may not be his son.
0: What was the year? 2004.
1: 2004.
0: Holy crap. Uh that doesn't sound familiar at all. I have no idea. It's the The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizu. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could have given me all night, I wouldn't have got yeah. that. All right,
1: 1971, going back in time. Okay. When a man calling himself the Scorpio Killer menaces San Francisco, tough as nails, police inspector Callahan. Is assigned to track down the crazed psychopath.
0: Yeah. No, I knew it as soon as you got to the first part. There, this is the first Dirty Harry. All right. Nineteen ninety-eight.
1: A young boy with stunted growth is convinced that God has a great
0: purpose for him. So, there's two answers to this. The mm-hmm. book was called "A Prayer for Owen Meany," but the movie was called Simon Birch. Simon
1: Birch is correct. All right. Two more, 2012, a male stripper teaches a younger performer how to party, pick up women, and make easy money. Yep, Magic Mike. Nice, All and last one, 2001, a mentally handicapped man fights for custody of his seven-year-old daughter, and in the process teaches his cold-hearted lawyer the value of love and money. Well, he made the mistake of going full
0: uh, this was Sam I Am.
1: <laughs> sort of. I'll give it to you. It's I Am Sam. Oh,
0: right. Okay. <laughs> of course. I went full <laughs> on that one.
1: <laughs> and like you mentioned, both you and jean Penn went full. <laughs> you never go full. <laughs> <laughs> at the Oscars, went home empty handed. Yeah. <laughs> so there was
0: that. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs>
1: What a way to end things. All right. So <laughs> so next time it's over to me to pick a movie celebrating the 30th anniversary since its release. We're gonna take a week off next week. Again. We got yes, some we vacation time
0: coming That's up. That's on me. I'm taking some vacation time. No, but, right? Now, Chris, so, the problem I yep. had with the nineteen ninety three is we've actually done a lot, a lot of yeah. movies from nineteen ninety three. So some of the best ones the ones that first come to mind we've done already so i'm really curious as to what you want me to watch well you know it's been eight seasons that we've been doing this podcast and we have yet
1: to review this movie i'm going with 1993's jurassic park no we were just talking about that i know i really are curious to look back at this especially now that we've done like five sequels like we talked about and you know this cgi has gotten so much better according to my son so we're going to see about that so next time out we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Jurassic Park. Like I say, we've never done that, so I'm I'm trying to br- to, to to bring a se- a secret, you know, weapon for that episode. But we'll see if that works out or not. I don't know if it will. All right. All right, all right. But until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of myself and Derek Myers, saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thanks for listening to pop goes your world you can contact chris and derek at podgoesyourworld.com. please take a minute and review the podcast on itunes or wherever you download and listen to the show